Hey team, it's Matt Drinkon here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Team, I'm already knee deep into a conversation with today's guest. In the communities that I run in, she doesn't really need an introduction because she's like a rock star famous, but I'm going to introduce her anyways. If you don't have the pleasure of meeting her yet, you are about to. This is Brianna Greenspan. Brianna came into my life, I want to say around 2018-ish. She was on Hal Elrod's Achieve Your Goals podcast, and she wrote a book called The Miracle Morning Art of Affirmations, which I am showing right now. So I knew who she was from listening to Hal's podcast, and she was the guest. And she had an inspirational story to tell. And then about four years later, I found myself floored that I was lucky enough to be in a breakout room in the exchange community with her, someone I secretly looked up to and found kind of like, I'm not gonna say she's my idol, but darn it, she's someone I definitely look up to. And we've been chatting for like half an hour now about just everything beneath the sun and outside of it. It's just an amazing human being. So without any further ado, I just want to introduce you to my friend and an amazing, amazing leader in this world and fighting for good, Miss Brianna Greenspan. Brianna, welcome to the show today. Oh, hi, Matt. It is such a pleasure. You know, we have been chatting, but it's always such a pleasure to connect with you. You're such a rock star. And I love that introduction. I'm honored by your kind words and excited to dive in. Awesome. Let's dive straight into the deep end. Uh, we're not going to pull any punches. We're going to go straight at it today. We like to ask people who are successful, what is it that has been challenging for you? Because we want to inspire people that they can do it too. They can make a comeback or they can overcome their hard stuff. And I think you may have uh, experienced a hard thing or two in your world, to put it mildly. So I'd like to ask you, take us back in time. It can be like right now, or it can be all the way back to childhood. What's something in your world, Brianna, that has been difficult, challenging, that you can share with us today, your journey there? Mm. <sighs> what a great question. And I feel like there's so many seasons of challenges, but there's one threadline challenge that I've had since birth that a lot of people on the internet know about. I was born with an interesting health situation. And that health situation has invited in a tremendous amount of rock bottoms, a tremendous amount of what the heck, knocked down in ways that I didn't have the awareness or tools to pick myself back up, and has resulted in a deep level of compassion and empathy and respect and courage and evolved into a deep level of resilience. So when I think about my health journey, which is ever-present, despite the fact that I've retired my neck brace, learned to walk again, I mean, the list goes on on the massive amount of physical daily challenges that I experience, I still have 
dozens of physical daily health experiences that take me down for moments or periods of time. That's been incredibly humbling as a leader. I've retired my neck brace. I've retired my handicap placard. I'm not on disability. I don't have any tubes in me. But what I do have is this insatiable gratitude for how precious life is and this unwavering desire to be of large impact in the spaces that I have the privilege of being in. Because I know time is precious, life is short, and any moment could be the last moment. And so that has been a thread line within the challenges. And I say seasons because each season, some challenges become bigger, some challenges get retired, some challenges rear their head again, some challenges build upon other challenges. And that's something that although I get stronger and stronger each year, I still get knocked down in unique and profound and complicated ways weekly. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, I'll give you an example. Last week, I was in New York City, and I was meant to be doing very important individual school, district-wide, city-wide work, impacting systems. And I became so violently ill towards the beginning of the trip that I ended up reorganizing my schedule, having to cancel at least half of the things that were scheduled, did the best that I could. And it was of incredible service to the spaces I still managed to show up in. And that was a re-reminder that it doesn't matter how strong I get. There's still going to be these moments and still going to be these seasons. And I think that that's an interesting metaphor for life for everyone, because it doesn't matter if you have a physical challenge, a mental challenge, you have a financial challenge, a relational challenge. Once you are on a high road, there's always going to be a stumbling block. There's always going to be something to navigate. There's always going to be a challenge. And if you learn the ways in which to navigate hard challenges, then hard challenges don't keep you down forever or stop your progress. They're just something that may slow you down or course correct or change your path that you had intended to be on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, I'm kind of speechless because I feel I'm in the presence of someone that, first of all, I love you. You're amazing and you're an inspiration when you share this story of all of the things that are out of your control with health. And I know you still do your best to show up and do healthy things. It's not like you're doing things that are harming your body intentionally. So you do your best to show up and you still don't have control over that. And what's the first thing that you say? Insatiable gratitude. That is a formula that I'd like to understand how, and our listeners would love to understand, how did you come to that formula? Because at some point, I'm imagining that you probably weren't born with insatiable gratitude and you have challenge after challenge after challenge. You're probably not insatiably grateful for them in the beginning. So can you narrate how you came to insatiable gratitude? Because I think this is the masterclass that we're looking to learn. Please. Oh, you really nailed it with that one, Matt. I did not come out of the womb suffering and grateful for it. 
the first 20 years of my life were an incredible challenge physically, mentally, academically, relationally. And quite frankly, I had an internal narrative that everything was wrong about me. Like I genuinely believed that. There was a tremendous amount of internal and external evidence to validate that thought process. And it wasn't until I lost the ability to walk when I was 20. And then I regained the ability to walk after a 378-hour therapy program. Thank you, my dear mentor, Brian Danik, who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself and taught me what it looks like to learn lessons from hard experiences, not just label them as hard. And that was the moment that everything shifted because I started to ask myself very, very profound and deep and meaningful questions that inspired curiosity surrounding those things that I couldn't change and curiosity surrounding what I had control over in moments where things were rough. And that taught me that there was a significant amount of power that I was giving away on a regular basis because I didn't have the tools or the language or the awareness that there were certain emotional states, there were certain tools, rituals, habits, practices that were available that if I were to master them or if I were to try them or if I were to get curious and learn more, that I could shift the experiences I was having. And so I often see my life in the first 20 years and everything that's come after. And the last 16 years have been a massive rewiring, a massive new series of learnings surrounding who I am, what I stand for, what I believe in, how I show up in hard moments, who I choose to be in the midst of insert whatever challenge I'm experiencing in that moment. And that led to being grateful for the learnings that led to levels of resilience and levels of depth and levels of clarity that a lot of other people around me, quite frankly, don't have. That taught me the blessing within the suffering. Mm. Please expand the blessing inside the suffering because I share a lot of the things you're sharing. One of them is you lost the ability to walk. I lost the ability to walk. It was just like eight years ago, right? And got it back. And it wasn't for years and years. But I'm hearing your journey and it just feels like it was such a, a long and challenging and it's not over. You're still in it. Somehow you've managed to figure this out through coaching, through community. And if you could expand on that idea of the blessing within that challenge or on that journey, I'd love to keep diving in. You know, what I've noticed about myself personally is that when I have something, let's call it eyesight, I'm not really that grateful for the ability to see. Like I'm really just, it's a given. And then when I lose it, when I have one of the eye challenges related to my illness, and then I come through, I'm deeply grateful for the ability to see. And so I'm sure that you can relate to that in the sense that you could walk and then at one point you couldn't. And then when you could again, how you related to being able to have independence and mobility shifted greatly. Deeply. And so the blessings 
that come from hard moments are often overlooked with people that just have those things. And so for me, I have developed a practice where I learn a lot about myself and I learn a lot of lessons in each challenging moment or season. I use those lessons to propel my leadership and entrepreneurship and capacity to be of service forward. Can you tell us about that practice, please? Well, you know, it starts with the question that I ask myself every morning. So I may wake up and I've just fill in the blank. I was throwing up all night. I had some seizures. I feel like someone's burning me. Just nonsense, just whatever. And then there's probably 30 other symptoms that I experience regularly in my morning time. So I wake up and the first question I ask myself is despite how I'm feeling, despite what I'm experiencing, what can I do to best support myself right now? That question has been one, a guiding question, but two, the result of a lesson that I learned surrounding what I can and cannot control. And I used to think for the first 20 years of my life, I wake up, I'm suffering. Oh, now I'm suffering and life is hard. And oh, and now I'm late and I'm X and Y, whether it's didn't do my homework, feel sick, like not sure how to navigate through and would get into a negative narrative and feedback loop that didn't allow for any lessons and didn't allow for any action taking and certainly didn't allow for any proactive action taking. That one question, despite how I'm feeling, despite what I'm legitimately experiencing, it's not like I'm dismissing. It's not like I'm one of these, what's that word? Toxic positivity. People are always saying like, you're so positive but I'm not toxic positive. Like I'm not pretending that what I experience isn't happening. What I'm saying is I'm meeting what I'm experiencing and identifying if there's action I can take, what am I gonna do first? And if there's multiple actions I can take, what is the sequence that will best support the next moment of my experience, day, life, et cetera. So that has been an incredible action, consistent action that I've taken as a result of a learning that there are things that I am in control of, despite the fact that there's many things that I'm not in control of. Hmm. If there's an action I can take, what can I do first? And not trying to dismiss the pain or dismiss the challenge. It's there. And now that I accept that it's there, if there's something I can do, what can I do first? Yeah. And sometimes that's take a deep breath. Sometimes that's remind myself that I can do hard things. Sometimes that's just evaluate what type of needs that I have that I might need to ask someone for help with. Hey, can you bring me some water? Hey, whatever that is. It has this challenge that's evolved through the years has taught me what it means to be vulnerable and what it means to be courageous and what it means to be resilient in the face of consistent challenges. It's not like, oh, you overcome that thing and now you celebrate your resilience and here you are. For me, I'm constantly hitting another challenge and needing to navigate through. And that has presented me with a lot of blessings that I don't know I would have gotten to as quickly 
and a lot of lessons that I've amassed that I don't know if I would have learned as quickly otherwise. So I see those learnings as a blessing and the experiences, especially when I'm on the other side of them, especially when I'm on the other side of them as a blessing. (laughs) So that is a series of lessons from my personal physical journey that have taught me how to be an entrepreneur, how to be a professional in navigating complex business landscapes. Because the truth is, everybody has smaller, large challenges that knock them down or keep them down on a regular basis. Are you the type of person, professionally, personally, that is going to allow whatever happens to be the thing that hinders you being of service, you being a bright, shining light, you doing whatever it is that you feel you're meant to be doing here? Are we using the excuse that may be legitimate to hold us back or to propel us forward? I believe that we could press stop right now and have the shortest episode I've ever recorded. And it might be the bestseller of all of I've ever done because this is amazing. I mean, I've learned so much already. I feel I've taken back to a place where I was excruciating pain. And all I wanted to do was make the pain go away. And actually, I've definitely talked about this very much. I'll put a couple dots together. I started the Miracle Morning in July of 2015. And in the 41 days that I did my first 41 days doing it, I lost 27 pounds. I got pretty fit, pretty quick. I read a lot. I did it with other people. had a great time. On the 42nd day is when I had the accident. It's when I went to the zip line, had the accident. It broke. I fell. And then eight months later is when I ended up disabled and I couldn't walk and couldn't leave the house and couldn't do really anything that I'd done before. And I remember the times, it was probably eight. I tried to track this at one point because I was trying to time it. I couldn't time it. That's a perfectionist trying to control when the pain's going to happen. I don't know if you've been through that cycle, but I, I was in that cycle trying to time it. And it was about 8% of the time. I was at a one through 10. I was at a 10. I couldn't move. I was reduced to a fetal position on the ground for about 8% of the time. And I never knew when it was going to happen. So that is when I really developed what you just shared, that acceptance or surrender to you know, whatever it is that's happening, I'm not able to control this. No matter how much I try, I cannot quite put my finger on it. I'm doing all the variables that I can. So that's when I really developed that true sense of gratitude. It was only one experience for eight months, and I was already in my mid-late 30s. So to hear your story, it's so inspirational. You know, I've already cried today once. I don't know if I have much more to cry at this exact moment, but I'm feeling deeply right now your story. And I just want to say I'm inspired. I want to buy all your books and I want to share them with everyone. (laughs) I I really want to put the next part of our show to talk about what are some of the things that are born out of some of these challenges. I know that you've, you've collaborated in a number of ways. You've created, you've collaborated, you're doing great things now. So tell us a little bit now about what you're doing and how you are. As you said, will this thing hinder me from being of great service Where are you offering your service now to the world, Brianna? Thank you so much, Matt. First and foremost, I want to just honor you for the journey that you have been on because you were at such a high, high and then really crashed. And for people that haven't experienced incredible physical trauma, to experience that at the age and at the veracity that you did 
I mean, I've coached people with chronic and terminal illnesses for almost two decades. The ability to bounce back and be resilient at such a high level in the ways that you currently are is unique and commendable. And so I do want to honor you because we have very different experiences in the sense that mine was my norm. Mine was like, yeah, that thing again. Oh, it's more annoying. Oh, it's harder. Oh, it's layered on. But your thing was out of the blue when you were at the top of your game. And it's almost harder to have something that's so startling that you're unprepared for. So I do want to just honor your leadership in your own life and your awareness that, yeah, you can never track it. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know what's going on, but what you do, and you don't have control over any of those variables. You know, you were talking and I thought to myself, when it is a 10 out of 10, you're incapacitated, you're on the ground, you do have control of your breath. You do have control of your thoughts. And it takes immense power and training and practice to take control of your breath. Yes, absolutely. Because, Brianna, I, I did not have control of my thought. That first few times this is happening, and I remember very clearly, I was just begging, wishing the pain would go away. I was just... <laughs> Literally on the ground, crying in the field position, just go away, stop. And I was at a pretty high level at that time. And it was very humbling. I cannot imagine born with that and going through all So you honor me because I was doing well and then it happened suddenly or randomly or out of the blue. I come back and honor you. I'm curious why keep going. You know, for me, I'll answer first. I'll ask you. There's no other option. I've got my child and my wife is now, she's pregnant and I can't move and I can't cook. I can't get up the steps. I lived in my office, which is totally different. I had a made up bed. I couldn't get in the bed. I had to lay on the floor with my knees on the couch on the bed for like the last three months. I couldn't get upstairs. Definitely couldn't be intimate. Definitely couldn't cook it. I couldn't pick up my 25 pound one year old and we're going to have a second kid. You know, so my why was very, for me, it was, it was crystal clear. I owe it to my family, to do the best I can, even if I am Denzel Washington, that character in The Bone Collector, and I am reduced to completely incapacitated and I'm blowing through a tube to to live, I've got to figure out a way to put out the best energy, the best me for the sake of the people around me. And perhaps that will inspire others. Perhaps that will lead others because I'm not being silent about all this. I'm not suffering in silence. Perhaps this will help someone else who is suffering in silence, who doesn't want to talk about it or share it with the world. I figure, why not? Because if it can help someone and if I can model for my kids how to overcome hard stuff, then it's going to be worthwhile. That was my thought process as I was going, I would say going through this as I was gifted the opportunity to go through this. And it wasn't a gift in the moment, let me tell you. It was not a gift the first time in the moment. But now all these hard things, these hardships and challenges, they're all gifts, they're all blessings. I'm gonna start using the word insatiable gratitude for it. You have leveled me up today. Just by being in the room, I have leveled up because you're here. Thank you. This has been amazing. You're so sweet. It's good. So why did you keep going? Why not check out at a young age? I mean, you made it to 20, all this hard stuff. I mean, how did you make it that far before you even got to the transformation period where now you, you're insatiable gratitude? <sighs> oh, Matt, you're bringing it up. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. So when I was 19 years old, the summer between freshman and sophomore year of college, 
I had an L5 S1 fusion surgery. And that was supposed to be the end all be all greatest gift ever for the journey that I'd been on for about nine years. Now, let me take you back to when I was 10, 11. I started complaining that something hurt. And I remember that I always wanted to fit in. I always wanted to be not even popular, but I just wanted to be like liked. Like kids yes. were very, very cool. Like when I was in third grade, kids started an I Hate Brianna Club. This is a true story. Because they said that like sick was gross. Like I was contagious. Like my oh. illness was contagious, although it was obviously not. And so when I say that I had this internal dialogue that everything was wrong about me, I say that because there was like actual evidence in my external world that became my internal world that something was wrong with me. So flash forward, there's a longer story that I'm going to kind of gloss over, but I had my parents switch me out of that school. I go to a different school for fourth and fifth grade. By sixth grade, the doctors have decided that there's something so wrong inside of me that they've decided that I should be in a hard shell back brace. I think Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, but more. So I have a metal bar from the top of my rib cage down to my knee. And I walk with a limp with this huge back brace that's all the way through my, my whole back and ribs, all the way down one leg for nine months. So not only have I met up with all my elementary school bullies in middle school, but I'm now visibly iller wearing a physical back brace from hell that I wore, that I wore 23 hours a day. Yeah, think about that. Until they decided, oh, we should get you a second one, but this one doesn't have the leg component anymore. Great, I've evolved. And then, and then, and then. So you can tell where the story is going that led to, oh, it's the spine surgery. You should have this L5-S1 fusion. So this was like a big and exciting thing. Like, oh, we're finally going to have a solution to this thing that's plagued me for years. So flash forward, this is not the solution. I lose the ability to walk. Life is a dark nightmare. Doctors are like, here's some Oxycontin and a wheelchair and a handicap placard. I could walk my whole childhood. I just suffered immensely and had a lot of challenges, but it's not like I was immobilized. I was just challenged or braced. So this took it to a whole new level of like, what the heck has just happened? There were no words. So I was going back and forth with the doctors, basically saying, something is dramatically wrong. And they kept saying, you're not trying hard enough. Here's another steroid pack. Here's some more narcotics. And that was my reality. As a 20-year-old sophomore in college, this went on for months, months. And so I said to my parents, I mean, it hurt to breathe. It hurt to move. My existence was so unpleasant. And I said to my parents, if this is how life is going to be, I don't want to live. This is it. If this is all that there is, it's time for me to check out. Which as an adult now, that's not clouded by massive medications, I understand how challenging that must have been for my poor parents to hear this You know, they've tried so hard. They put me with all these doctors and therapies and medications and treatments, and they did the best that they could. And I'm now saying, 
It's worse than ever. The solution was a hundred times worse than everything I'd experienced before, which was detrimental, but manageable just by level of constant suffering, but not like this new category. There are no words for this new category. So I decide I'm going to go home from college and see the neurosurgeon in the morning. So I fly home. Um, it's like you've just taken me back to this moment. I apologize, listeners. This is like, this is a lot. No apologies. March 5th, I fly home. My parents have gotten a new house. So it's my first time seeing their new house. So they've gotten rid of my childhood house and all my childhood things. So new house, new situation. I can barely move. I sleep in this house for the first time. I wake up and I get a phone call from a friend from college and he lets me know that my best friend has just OD'd and died. <sighs> and not only like my best friend, but I had given my car to that friend the night before. Like there were a lot of complexities wrapped up in this, this situation that were very, very close to me. And I sat and I attempted to process that new awareness. And then I went to the neurosurgeon. He basically said, here's some more narcotics. And I lost it. And I said, couldn't these kill me? And he said, no, no, you're telling us you're in the worst pain of your whole life. Like this is supposed to help. And I said, my best friend just died from basically these, something just like this. Can't these cause as the side effect death? That was the light bulb moment for me that really changed everything where I said, the way that I'm living and the people that are recommending the supports that they're saying I need, I don't resonate with. And I don't agree with in a lot of ways, because if they could kill him, and that was the first time in my whole life that I ever thought that medication was a drug. Like my whole life, I had been heavily medicated. And I just thought, Doctor said like, oh, you need these things. You have problems. They will help you. And I was like, oh yeah, I need these things. I have problems. And so I internalized that these were the answer. And this was the first moment that I was like, is there not another option? Where are the other options? You know what? I think I want to explore additional possibilities. I'm no longer going to take your word as fact and as definite and as the only that was the moment of spiritual awakening. That was the moment of insatiable curiosity. That was the moment of, I have a chance and I don't think I want to give it up. Once he passed, it opened up and unlocked for me that I had a choice in the situation. Despite the fact that I couldn't control the situation, that was very confronting and very uncomfortable. I ended up leaving school and went through this 378-hour therapy program with the entire goal of learning to walk up a flight of stairs without any Western medication or any assistive devices. I haven't taken any Western medication except for two bouts of illness in the last 16 years. I've retired all assistive devices. I've retired, you know, as I mentioned, my handicap placard. I don't use a wheelchair or a walker. Occ occasionally a wheelchair, occasionally, occasionally. It's like 
4% of the last 16 years. But that story and that time frame in my life was incredibly pivotal because it was the catalyst for who I am and how I show up today. And the curiosity that I have towards well-being and wellness and learning and health and longevity that I didn't know anything about at all or had any awareness of my entire illness life. So here we are. You asked. I don't normally share that on a podcast. Here we are. And it'll be 18 years in March. And I think about that moment all the time because that unbounding gratitude for the hardest season is what led me to be of such incredible service. I have helped millions of people over the last 18 years and trackably. I can see, oh, I helped 400,000 people here. I helped a million people here. I did this. I did this. I did this. I know. And that would have never happened ever if I had chosen to check out in my darkest time and not learned all the lessons that I've learned since. All I could say is thank you for sharing that. And I lied earlier. I did find more tears. I did find a little bit more in there. That was powerful. And I didn't know that we were going to get to this part of our conversation today. All I can say is just thank you for sharing. And if there is a connect the dots moment for our listeners, this is what I'm connecting right now. I've heard the word gratitude. I've heard the word curiosity. I've heard a story here of someone who had to endure from places that, let's be frank, majority of people listening to this, we all have stuff. We didn't have that stuff to that level. There wasn't an I hate Matt club. There was a Matt got bullied club, but not that. And I didn't certainly have the brace at that age. And to do everything, to endure everything and to get to the place and then hear the story of your friend passing. And you turn that light bulb moment into something that is, it's inspired your journey for curiosity and your journey for gratitude than to serve the rest of us, me being one of the people that you have served because my life has been changed forever, not just today, but when I introduced my kids to the Miracle Morning Art of Affirmations and we did that time together, I mean, just thank you. Thank you. And... Tell us about more books and more ways that we might be able to tap into this, this mindset, this special place that any of us could have if we learn how, if we're willing to do the work. I think that's all I can say right now. I don't know what else to say. I'm just, my heart is full and my emotion is high and just a lot of love to you for everything you have done that is now serving all of us. You're still doing it at a high level, Thank Brianna. You. I mean, this is... This is it. Before we talk about books, I want to talk about impact and lessons within hardship. I want to talk about that because I am a parallel entrepreneur. I run a genetics firm focused on allergic diseases in a very high level capacity. For those of you who are interested, like, like deeply interested, I represent a condition called hereditary alpha tryptosemia, and it affects about 5% of the population. It's incredibly challenging. I get those people's plight because of my plight. And I currently have this role because of my personal experiences, because I decided as someone who had a chronic illness to be of service with my skill sets in the chronic illness space. 
And I became known in the chronic illness space as someone of service. So back when the National Institute for Health was doing this preliminary research on this thing that they discovered, they started reaching out to nonprofits and researchers and collaborators for support. And somehow my name got thrown into the ring. And somebody said, you know what? You should call Brianna Greenspan. She's a friend of the rare disease community. And if she can't help you, she'll know someone who can. So one day I was off getting a permaculture certification, living my best farm girl life, trying to get my hands dirty and learn a lot about nature. And I got a phone call from the chief of the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Disease. And he said just that, hey, I heard that you're a friend of the rare disease community and I'm looking for help on something. I think I discovered something that's very impactful, but I'm not sure. And I heard that if you can't help me, you'll know someone who can. I thought to myself, there's nothing in the world that qualifies me for getting this phone call. And everything in my life experience qualified me to get that phone call because of who I'd chosen to show up as. And I tell this story because the ways in which that we've published dozens and dozens of academic papers, gotten international recognition, gotten an ICD-10 code, saved tens of thousands of people's lives, done work with Department of Defense and NIH and Harvard and academic institutions and nonprofits around the world, utilizing the work that you and I have learned from exchange, would have never been possible had I not chosen to be of service to those that suffered in the way that I this one aspect of my life, being the director of this department, being of service to the researchers and clinicians who serve patients just like me, it's actually fulfilling this life purpose that I didn't even know I had inside of me to transform healthcare from the inside out, to incorporate well-being and supports within the plight of patients to support doctors treating patients in a better capacity. All of that became possible without me visualizing it or articulating it or getting a degree in it, just because of how I chose to show up and the thread lines and the dots that were connected because of it. When I take it back, all the way to the story of me relearning to walk again. Right afterward, I met a guy named Hal Elrod, and he introduced a practice to me called the Miracle Morning. And back then, there was just five or six of us doing this thing. <laughs> yes. It wasn't It was just this guy asking five people, hey, will you try this thing for a week and let me know how it goes? And at that point, although I had relearned to walk, and I had been introduced to one individual who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself, I was a far leap from where I am today and a far leap from a miracle morning person or a morning person or a routine person or a well-being person. I was just like scratching the surface. I was in that raw space. My friend had just passed. I had just learned to walk. I was trying to get over a lot of the experiences I was having, not even knowing what was even happening. And Hal said, I want you to wake up earlier and pour into yourself. And that thread line and that yes, transformed another whole aspect of my life 
that I didn't know at the time that I was saying yes to another complete space of purpose that I didn't know that I had. And this ability to be of service to an audience, which is children, based on this childhood wound that I didn't even know I wanted to serve children in this capacity back then. Yet that led to being an advisor of the Miracle Morning, helping to grow the Miracle Morning brand. Eventually that concept became a community that became a book, that became a book series. And I stood by and supported that entire journey. Eventually I said, because I'd been coaching so many families with chronic illness, I want to create a positive psychology workbook that helps people with during hard times rewire their brains to remind themselves that they can do hard things. And Hal said, we should make that together. It should be a miracle morning tool. And it became this book. It became the Miracle Morning Art of Affirmations. And in that moment, I had no idea that years later during COVID, when so many people were hurting, I would start a clubhouse two hour a day, every single day radio show that ended up impacting over 400,000 people. And I had no idea in that moment that some of those people would say, you need to be of service deeply embedded in the education system. Let me hold your hand and help you do that. And I became the distributor of Miracle Morning Books to K-12 education. I then started coaching and training and facilitating well-being in the workplace and resilience work within high-stakes educational leaders. And that led to, and that led to, and that led to, and eventually someone said, hey, I want to share your story. I want to write an autobiography about you for lower and upper elementary children, showcasing your resilience to inspire them to be their most resilient self amongst bullying, amongst chronic illness, amongst limiting beliefs, amongst academic challenges. And I never knew that yes with Hal back in 2008 to putting on my own oxygen mask first would lead to, would lead to, would lead to, would lead to. And eventually that led to me writing a cute little activity book called I Am the Best Me. It's so cute. It's so cute. Inspiring the youngest of learners to believe in themselves. Eventually that led to my first picture book. Everything is right about you feeling your feelings with my co-author, Dr. Jill Kahn, who is just, you think I'm a ray of sunshine. Let me tell you, this woman is like 30 years my senior and like such an inspiration in every capacity because she's such a ray of sunshine. And we wrote 25 books together. Of those 25 books, we had three of them acquired in our first batch. Three of them were just acquired in our second batch. And then all six of those were translated into Spanish. And now we have another three books that we're writing that are in production or post-production right now, all surrounding the narrative that everything is right about you. I think that that was a very healing thing because as a child, I literally had the internal operating system that was the opposite of truth. I thought everything was wrong about me. Because of that, the everything is right about you feeling confident book. 
the everything is right about you feeling grateful book. The everything is right about you feeling your feelings, a self-regulation and emotional intelligence book are so important because they're teaching the opposite of this detrimental narrative that I had that I lived with for so long. When we talk, you know, I know you wanted me to talk about books. You can find them with my distributor. I'm sure it's going to be in the show notes or light switch learning. I'll put like a direct link to them that you can also find the autobiographies. You can also find the Miracle Morning books there. You can find all the books, literally all the books I just mentioned, the Make It Happen books, I Am the Best Me, The Art of Affirmations, Feelings, Confident, Gratitude. They're all there through the distributor. But what I'll say is I invite you to show up as who you are and who you want to be, and regularly. This is not a show up one time and you'll see all the breadcrumbs connect. This is a show up as who you want to be each and every day with no expectations. Things that you could have never imagined beyond your wildest dreams over the years, when you look back, will have taken place. It took over a decade of being of service in the chronic illness space before I found my footing to be of massive service, massive service in the chronic illness space. And it took over a decade of being of service in the miracle morning space before I found my footing to be of massive service in that capacity, which led to me being of massive service in my own right, which led to me being an agent and a distributor and a representative of other people's incredible content. And now that is spiraling in ways that I could have never imagined. I could have never written this story. But looking back, I see that it's all because I showed up not once, not twice, not for a year, not for a season, but I kept showing up because, and I'll close with this, because I have this mentor, Ron Wolfson, many, many years ago, he said to me, I invite you to do all the good you can in all the ways you can, at all the times you can, for all the beings you can, as often as you can. That became my operating system for how I show up at all times when I'm capable of getting out of bed and capable of showing up, which is about 80% of my life now. And so that's what I choose to do, to do all the good I can in all the ways I can, at all the times I can, for all the beings I can, as often as I can. And there we are. (laughs) And there we are. There's nothing else to say. That was it. You've inspired us all. And I'm sure everyone's jaw is dropped like mine is right now. And... I'm simply going to wrap it up and say this, Brianna, it has been an absolute amazing time with you and incredibly worthwhile. And I know, I know that my life, lives of my entire family are changed forever as a result of this conversation, because I'm going to take this, not only am I going to get all these books, which are awesome books, I might add, to make things lighter. Yes, they're amazing books. So cute. They're so cute. Yes, I mean, don't you, want to people, <laughs> don't you want to feel more confident? Like I can't even, I can't even, it's just yes. perfection, perfection, uh, kindness, bounding kindness. Wow. Look at this. Everything is right about you feeling grateful. This activity journal is packed with affirmations, illustrations, and writing prompts to live in gratitude. 
boost your mood. Look for the good in everything, to stay positive during hard times, to live in the present, to improve your self-esteem, to build your growth mindset, and to be optimistic. Mm. It says it. I love it. Right there. Well, you know what? That might make for a good segue for the last question then, because this is the Eternal Optimist podcast, and I like to close with a question. I'll leave it to you, then we'll conclude. What is Eternal Optimist? What does that mean to you, Brianna? That's such a good question. And you know, that's such a good brand. It's such a nice, affirming phrase. What does the eternal optimist mean to me? Against all odds, against all odds, I still have that belief. And I'm gonna show up in that vein. There's a lot of evidence for anything you wanna find evidence for. That's the truth. You wanna find evidence that the world is ending? there's evidence. You want to find evidence that there are good people out there doing incredible work all day, every day? There's evidence. And so when I think about the internal optimist, it's like an affirmation that you're declaring that you're choosing the lens you want to show up to life through, the lens you want to view life through. And it's the best. Everything is right about being an eternal optimist.